Hello and welcome to the Sincere Yogi Podcast, a podcast for yogis just like you who are seeking more from their yoga practice that you can't get in your average studio class. My name is Sarah and I'll be your host. Hello and welcome back to another episode of the Sincere Yogi Podcast. I took a break last week from podcasting because it was my birthday, so I spent the week hanging out with friends, getting in all of those dinners, taking some much-needed time off outside, hiking, going to the beach, all of that fun stuff. I'm happy to be back into my normal routine this week and beyond happy to look back at August and see everything that was accomplished last month. If you know me, you know that I have been in this online space for a while on Instagram, on Insight Timer, doing my podcast, my blog, and I've always had these online spaces, and I've always had these online spaces preparing myself for the day to teach full time. If you know a teacher, you know that teaching weekly classes alone does not cut it when it comes to income, so we have to get creative, we have to teach privates, we have to teach workshops, but the teaching game is a hustle and a half. About Five years ago now, wow, it's been a while, I created the Sincere Yogi blog. I created that blog as a space for me to share my own experiences as a teacher, to create conversation around topics that you don't really talk about in a studio-based class. Now, that blog led to so many endeavors online, both as a yoga teacher, as a marketer, as a podcaster now, and a voiceover artist. So a lot has happened since the inception of that blog. I've been very fortunate enough to freelance a lot and subsidize some of the income that you just don't make as a teacher when you're teaching studio-based classes. Now, five years later, as I have all of these spaces set up, my blog, my YouTube, my Instagram, my podcast, slowly but surely, it's all coming together and I'm starting to use the skills I've learned to put back into my own business as a teacher. Last month, I launched my very first audio course in partnership with Insight Timer. You've probably heard of it. It's all about the subtle body. It's part theory, so part kind of podcast and discussion, and then part practice with yoga nidra, pranayama, and guided meditation work. Now, I did not expect this course to do as well as it did. I had almost 200 students within the first week of launching this course and ended the month with almost 300 students in total. So thank you so much if you tune into the podcast, if you've ever browsed the blog, or if you've ever shown your support in any way when it comes to anything that I've done in this online space from a small creator, teacher, business I just want to say that it really does mean a lot because it allows me to do what I love and that's share this practice with all of you 
and supports me in learning myself, continuing my education, and putting my practice first so that I can be the best student and teacher that I possibly can for all of you. Now, I don't want to go into too much detail here because I can just rant on forever, but if you haven't checked out the Subtle Body course or maybe you signed up for the course but you haven't started yet, it is self-paced. However, this Sunday, September 10th, I'll be going through the course alongside you and offering some journal prompts and conversational topics that will be posted in the classroom, so the back end of that course on Insight Timer. If you're interested in joining along, it's an eight-day course. There will be journal prompts every single day. We'll create discussion every single day, and you'll always have access to me through the Insight Timer app through my social media platforms if you ever have any questions or are seeking extra guidance. Now with that, I'm going to get started on this week's episode before I just rant on about how overjoyed I am with all of the support waving in from all of you. So thank you so much once again for tuning in, listening, and supporting me as a teacher. The last episode I recorded was about the Bikram yoga methodology. Just the methodology, not Bikram himself, and we'll get there. But if we review everything we've learned in season two so far, we've talked about Hatha yoga and how Hatha yoga is sort of that overall base for a lot of the modern day yoga asana practices. We talked about Ashtanga Yoga and Iyengar Yoga, along with Krishnamacharya, BKS Iyengar, and Patabi Joyce. We moved on to Bikram Yoga. We left Bikram out of it for now. And now we're finally moving on to Vinyasa Yoga, which I'm guessing is probably a practice you are familiar with. Vinyasa yoga is one of the most popular styles of yoga today, and vinyasa is such a broad spectrum. So I anticipate this episode will be another two-parter. Today we're going to talk about what a vinyasa is, what vinyasa yoga means, and what you can expect within your very first vinyasa yoga class. In the next episode, we'll talk about the various branches of vinyasa yoga and what some of the names you might be seeing on a studio schedule could really mean. While hatha yoga really sets the foundation for so much of the yoga asana, so much of the philosophy, which if you're interested in learning more about hatha yoga, I highly recommend reading the Hatha Yoga Pratipika. I will link it below. It's a thick book. There's a lot to go through, but it is a wealth of information that can help you along your yoga journey, regardless of what style of practice you choose to participate in. Now, Hatha Yoga sets the foundation for Ashtanga, for Iyengar. It does set the foundation for Vinyasa because the postures are there, the philosophy is there, but Vinyasa Yoga really is this sort of continuation of what started in terms of Ashtanga Yoga with the Vinyasas with the breath, with movement. Now, I've said vinyasa about a dozen times, and I haven't defined what a vinyasa is and what vinyasa means. So vinyasa means breath 
with movement. That means we inhale, come up to warrior A, exhale, plant your palms, chaturanga. Every breath has some type of movement linked to it, even if that movement is inhale, reach your arms long in warrior B, exhale, soften your shoulders. Inhale, flip your front palm, reverse warrior, exhale, chaturanga. So the breath by breath doesn't necessarily mean we're moving from one posture to the next every time we inhale or exhale. Sometimes that breath is used to go deeper in a posture, to add on variations, and for transitions in and out of a posture. So between one posture to the next. Now, breath with movement and vinyasa, now vinyasa meaning breath with movement, is a separate concept or a separate definition, that's what I'll say, a separate definition than a vinyasa. So let me explain. In your sun salutations, you go from standing, you lift your arms, you exhale forward fold, you inhale half lift and exhale chaturanga. A chaturanga is that high plank to low plank into upward facing dog and then downward facing dog. A chaturanga is a vinyasa. So not only is vinyasa breath with movement, but vinyasa is also used to categorize specific patterns of movement. So the chaturanga is a group of movements that equates to a vinyasa. When we talk about a vinyasa in this sense, then we're talking about the energetics of what's happening in the postures. You have the first criteria, the link of breath with movement in a chaturanga, and then you have the second criteria, which is the energetics of what's happening in a chaturanga. In a chaturanga, you are opening up the front side of your body with that upward facing. It's a full body engagement, opening up the front plane of your body for energy. When you flow through that high to low plank, when you lift into upward facing and then go to down dog, what's happening in your body is you're opening up your body so fresh blood and energy can reach these newly created spaces And you're dispersing and dispelling any stagnant energy, helping to regulate your body's natural energetic rhythm. A vinyasa in this sense is not just a chaturanga. What constitute a vinyasa in this sense is that there is a full opening on one plane of the body, whether that's the front body, the back body, the side body. You get a full flush of energy and you get that release, the release of energy through a traditional chaturanga, that high plank to low plank into that upward facing. So other examples of vinyasas are side vinyasas. These are Himalayan vinyasas, universal yoga, which is a very niche style of hatha yoga, uses these Himalayan vinyasas. They're very traditional where you go from a side plank, reaching the top arm forward towards the front of the mat. The exhale, you'll drop the bottom hip down as you sweep the top arm underneath you. You'll inhale, lift your hips back up, reach your top fingertips forward towards the front of the mat. 
the exhale, you'll step that top foot forward into a low lunge. That is a Himalayan vinyasa that focuses on the side body. You get that full breath with movement, that full flush. When you use your breath here, that's what's happening energetically, right? We're dispersing the air. We're dispersing the prana in our body. And we also get that release of energy. They're challenging movements. So we let go of the stagnant energy. We encourage the flow of energy. And we get that sort of full body flush or rush of fresh energy within. Another example of a vinyasa would be going up into a handstand. In this variation, we're dealing with different directions of space. So floating up into a handstand, floating back down. We're working with the various positions of our body in space and the direction of energy to help that energetic regulation here. Now, vinyasas are taken between postures or between a series of postures, kind of depending on what you're going for. Vinyasas are energizing, they're detoxifying on an energetic level, and like I said, you get that full body opening on some plane of the body. You can think of them as an energetic reset and a mental reset between postures or a series of postures. So vinyasas, in this sense, are very prevalent in vinyasa yoga. Vinyasas were seen a lot in the Ashtanga yoga series. So you'll have students say, or you'll have teachers say, and I've said it before too, and I think because nobody truly knows, and if you do, let me know, but people will say that vinyasa yoga is a branch off of Ashtanga yoga. It derived from Ashtanga yoga. Now, there's another school of thought or another theory that vinyasa yoga was actually derived from Krishnamacharya because Krishnamacharya had many different students across the board. He taught the student, not the postures. So various students have various ways in which they practice asana. So it could have been from Krishnamacharya. It could have been from Ashtanga. Vinyasas are incredibly prevalent in Ashtanga. You take about 64 chaturangas in the primary series alone. Not only does it build strength, but that connection of breath, movement, and body is very grounding, tunes into the energetic plane, and gives you that energetic regulation to carry you through your practice. It accumulates energy. It disperses energy. It's all around just energetic goodness. Now, if you have tuned into my Subtle Body course, then you know all about the energetics of the body in relation to asana, in relation to meditation, pranayama, and so on. If you are interested in learning more about what happens in the body, energetically, emotionally, along with the physical postures, go ahead and check out that course on Insight Timer. So then what does this mean for a vinyasa-style class? A vinyasa style class will have the elements of vinyasa, linking breath with movement, along with many vinyasas, aka chaturangas, thrown in between sequences and postures. Vinyasa yoga is energetic in that way. It's also very creative. There's a flow to it. Your movements start to link together because vinyasa yoga is not just about the postures, 
but also how we enter and exit the postures. Now we're using our breath not only for the transitions, not only for the postures, not only for the chaturangas, but we're using our breath to refine the movements within each posture. And a teacher might cue this out to help bring you deeper within a posture itself. The creativity of vinyasa yoga comes in through that sequencing of weaving postures together, of finding new transitions in and out of postures. Can I go from a warrior A to a warrior C? Great. Can I go from warrior C to warrior A? Great. It's very much so an exploration of the capabilities of your body. By linking that breath with movement, it really takes you out of your head and into your body because you have to be so present and you have to use your breath to support the posture and the transitions. There's no such thing as holding your breath in a vinyasa class because the pace of a vinyasa class is breath by breath. So if you're not breathing through these movements, you're not going to last very long in a vinyasa class. Now, where vinyasa yoga gets a lot of critiques is that you don't typically hold postures for very long. So when you're just passing through a posture, you usually don't go as deep as you could if you held it for five rounds of breath. On top of that, going breath by breath tends to make the class a little faster paced. Now, not all vinyasa classes are like this, and we'll get to that in the next episode, but what I will say in regards to this is that most of the time, you will repeat sequences, repeat postures, so that the second time around or the third time around, you get a little deeper. Maybe you try a variation. So the sequence starts to build off of itself in that way. Maybe the first time you do warrior A to warrior C. Maybe you do warrior A and then humble warrior, warrior A, warrior C. You add variations to go deeper within the postures the more that you start to go through the flow. So it's not that we are doing 70 million different postures in a vinyasa class. Sometimes you do a lot of the same postures in different variations so that you can go deeper. The irony of all of this, and I think it's ironic, but vinyasa teachers probably won't think it's ironic, but vinyasa yoga, because it's very modern, because it derives so much of its roots from Ashtanga, from Iyengar, every teacher training I know, every yoga teacher I know has read the Ashtanga Yoga Manual by David Swenson, in my opinion, the best Ashtanga yoga resource, and Light on Yoga by BKS Iyengar. These two resources break down the yoga asana, break down what the purpose of the asana is, what the benefit of the asana is, and what the alignment of the asana is. A lot of modern-day vinyasa teachers are sticklers for alignment, and we get that from that Iyengar piece of vinyasa yoga. And there's nothing wrong with having proper alignment, but the irony, this is where it comes in, is if you are flowing posture to posture, you probably don't have perfect alignment because we're flowing relatively quickly in and out. So that's where it's super important 
as a new student to vinyasa yoga to look for slow flow vinyasa classes where they take a round or two of breath within the pose to refine the movement. That's also why I said if you were to take a Bikram yoga class or an Ashtanga yoga class right off the bat as a brand new student, you would have a much easier time transitioning to almost every single studio nowadays because almost every single studio nowadays that isn't specific to a lineage is a vinyasa yoga studio. So it just sets you up for success so you know when a teacher calls out warrior A what that is, you know your alignment, you can pop into that right away and then move on to the next pose. Now, along with the creativity of the flow, there's also almost always a guarantee that a vinyasa class will have music. Music is another great way to sort of drown out the thoughts in your mind. It can be a distraction in and of itself, which is why Ashtanga and Bikram yoga don't use music. Sometimes Hatha yoga classes use music, sometimes they don't. Music is a great way to sort of get in the mood of movement. It's a great way to, like I said, drown out the thoughts, but it can be a distraction and it can be a little bit of a crutch if you're working on that mental focus in and of itself. I don't think music is a bad thing, but I do think every now and then it's good to challenge yourself with no music just to see where your mind naturally wants to wander so that you can then bring it back. Now, that being said, things that are very typical of vinyasa yoga classes, fast pace, repeated postures, fun transitions and variations, and creative flows on top of the music as well, if I didn't mention that enough already, which is very different from the previous practices we talked about. And Vinyasa yoga is also somewhat controversial because when you aren't as focused on staying in a posture, when you do only the fun, feel-good flows, then you take out the mental discipline of the practice, even though it's still disciplined to make it to your mat, to try hard, to do new variations and whatnot, but it's a very different practice. It's also very modern in its approach, and there's a lot of teachers that teach vinyasa that stick to strictly teaching flows and postures. So I found that it's a little rare to find a vinyasa yoga class that incorporates breath work, that incorporates meditation. Now, this is not unheard of. You can absolutely find teachers that incorporate that into their classes, but vinyasa is very, very much so focused on the movement, and it's definitely harbored some critics over the years. Another critique of vinyasa yoga is if we're not breathing, if we're not in tune with what's happening in our mind, if we're not tuning into the subtle body, at what point are we doing vinyasa yoga and at what point are we doing plyometric exercises or Pilates? And that's mainly because a lot of the transitions that you'll see are absolutely not traditional yoga postures. There's nothing wrong with bringing these fun transitions into your practice and exploring and playing. I grew up with vinyasa yoga, aka since my teens, and I love vinyasa yoga for its playfulness and for the fact that I can just flow and be and breathe 
it's definitely a much lighter practice in that sense. And it's a great complement to your everyday life. It's a great complement to other styles of movement. And even though it's harbored some critics, in my opinion, if you are practicing mindful movement with breath, if you are getting to your mat with the intention to build a more peaceful relationship with yourself, with your body, you are at the start of your yoga journey. I don't see the need to police anyone for the style of yoga they practice because I started off with a very non-traditional yoga practice. I started off with hot yoga. It was very much so focused on the postures. I knew there was more to it, but that wasn't offered to me in classes. We barely talked philosophy. We barely did breath work. I knew nothing about yoga other than what I was taught in terms of sequencing But that piqued my curiosity, that opened up the door, and that led me to so much more. Not only that, but if you are wholeheartedly honest in your pursuit of making it to your mat, being present, breathing, and being in your body, then naturally the fruits of yoga are going to start to unfold. You will naturally start to notice the subtle energetic shifts within the postures on your mat, also within your everyday life. You'll start to de-stress. You'll start to become more mindful. And that's where when we see those glimpses of yoga happening, of yoga working without us even knowing what we're working, that's when we're like, huh, there's something to this. Let me explore more. And if you never explore more beyond your vinyasa yoga, beyond your mindful movement, I think that is perfectly okay too. You can also have a very traditional vinyasa yoga teacher who incorporates breath work, who incorporates the yamas and niyamas, who incorporates all of the philosophies for teachers and students alike to build that relationship with breath, body, and mind, which is the basis of yoga in general, since yoga means yolking or that unification. So I'll get off of my soapbox for now because I think vinyasa yoga gets a really bad rep these days, and I understand why as someone who loves a more traditional practice, but I do think that there is absolutely room for vinyasa yoga in yoga as a whole. With that being said, in the next episode, we're going to dive into the various styles of vinyasa yoga and what you can expect within vinyasa yoga classes. So thank you so much for tuning into this podcast. Again, thank you so much for all of your support, whether you've read the blog, follow me on Instagram, listen. I appreciate it so, so much. I've been teaching for almost 10 years now, and it's great to see all of my work come to fruition and also just great to be able to give back and connect with all of you in meaningful ways that create conversation on and off your yoga mat. Thank you for joining me on the Sincere Yogi Podcast. If you want to deepen your yoga and meditation practice, check out my workshops and masterclasses on the Playbook app or join my guided meditation series on Insight Timer. If you just want to stop by, say hi, and see what's up, you can find me at The Sincere Yogi on Instagram.